You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us on this BC Daylong Weekend. We begin with breaking news on Anasis Island. Fire crews battling a blaze there at this hour. Take a look at this live shot from Global One. It started in a warehouse believed to be part of the ideal welders complex of buildings on the east side of Anasis Island near the Fraser River. As you can see, it's sending thick black smoke into the air. Drivers report seeing the smoke from the Alex Fraser Bridge. There's no immediate word on what caused this fire. Police are on scene directing traffic. It's best to avoid that area if you can. We will have more on this story as it becomes available. In the meantime, nine people are burned out of their homes in Surrey after fire ripped through a multi-unit rental property early this morning. And while thankfully none of the residents was seriously injured, several pets are missing. Jennifer Palma explains why this fire could have easily had tragic consequences. Thick black smoke pours from a Surrey fourplex around 4.45 this morning, forcing nine people out into the street. I jumped out my window, my stepdad and my mom jumped out through the main window with the dogs, and everyone else seemed to be okay aside from a couple pets from the neighbors. Esther Walls lived in a main floor suite. She was woken up by a neighbor who broke a window so she could get out. So I feel like I'm in a nightmare and I keep just seeing if I close my eyes, I see the flames and hear that popping and banging of the windows all breaking and and it went really fast from just like a glow to full out everything engulfed in the back. Flames were starting to come up the wall right here on the side. Shane Lucier surveys the destruction. He's one of the top floor residents. His hair singed while trying to make his escape. I barely escaped with my life this morning. Um, I, 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 I ran right through the fire. I'm actually still in shock over all this. The fire is considered suspicious, the cause under investigation, but there is some question over the smoke detectors. Lucier says he has detectors in his suite. Wall says she didn't. Here's what the landlord told us. Were there smoke detectors? I always provide. If they disable it, I don't know. That. No working smoke detectors uh, were noticed by crews. Uh, one of the residents did smell smoke and uh, initiated the 911 call. All of the residents made it out. One was treated for smoke inhalation and has been released. Unfortunately, though, some pets were lost in the flames. But for Walls, oh, <laughs> she was able to find her cat. Emergency Social Services is helping the residents. It's believed none had renter's insurance. Jennifer Palma, Global News. A troubling situation involving a six-year-old Vancouver girl. Her mother blaming red tape at Passport Canada, first for nearly stopping her daughter from getting cross-border treatment for kidney cancer, and now taking part in a dream trip to Disneyland as a survivor. Jill Bennett explains. Six-year-old Sage has already fought cancer twice, but now it's her mom who's in a battle with Passport Canada. I understand that they need to be careful with children, right? And I appreciate that and I respect that. But this just seems way overreaching. Graham applied for a passport for Sage in February, paying the extra $110 to have it expedited, knowing they could get the call any day to start specialized cancer treatment in Seattle. But her application was denied. Graham says she's not sure why, because the reasons given by Passport Canada keep changing. They've called me to request some new information, like they've requested all my previous court documents. And so they've called me and I've been like, oh, they've called me. Maybe they have our passport ready. And then I 
I contact them back, and then it turns out that they want more information on this or more information on that. Graham has all of her legal documents proving she has sole custody of Sage. She filed an official complaint with Passport Canada on July 17th. She's still waiting to hear back. It almost feels abusive um, because I look, I look at what my daughter has been through, and she just deserves, she deserves this. She deserves some good things coming to her. There is another reason Sage needs a passport. She's been accepted on the Dreams Take Flight trip this fall, a day in Disneyland for kids who have battled huge health challenges. Without the passport, she can't go. I'm very surprised. I handle many, many cases of Canadians entering the U.S., of which a lot of them are minors, and I've never seen Passport Canada holding up a Canadian passport when one of the parents has full custody. I've never seen it. Sage missed her first dream trip because her cancer relapsed. Her mom hopes red tape doesn't ruin her second chance. Jill Bennett, Global News. In the city, police warn against leaving doors open in the summer because of break-ins. In the suburbs, same is true, but sometimes that warning comes with a twist. Take, for instance, in the Westwood Plateau neighborhood over the weekend, where a door left open by a homeowner attempting to cool the place down became an open invitation for a hungry bear. The bear walked right in and helped itself to the contents of the fridge. Sadly, the animal had to be put down. Conservation officials say they need the public's help to ensure bears don't become habituated, and it's particularly important for those living near green belts to keep doors and windows closed. Firefighters are increasingly called upon to do more than douse flames, especially now in the throes of an opioid crisis. The problem is our system sometimes prevents them from helping, even when they're first on the scene. Ted Chernecki explains the roadblock and why it may be putting lives in jeopardy. Ask any firefighter in B.C. and they'll likely have only the highest praise for paramedics. The paramedics do an incredible job for our citizens across this province under trying conditions. They're under-resourced and they need more resources. We have no issue with that and support that move. But the same can't be said for a system that refuses to let firefighters, who are also fully qualified paramedics, from giving the kind of care to a patient that he or she deserves. Inexplicably, that same firefighter, on his day off in civilian clothes, can administer all kinds of medical help. But the minute he puts on that firefighter's uniform, he can only legally do very basic stuff like CPR, putting a bandage on a patient to stop the bleeding. It's all to do with the licensing in B.C., Whereas, as we say, you can be a paramedic on, a, on an ambulance on a Monday and be a firefighter on a truck on a Tuesday, and you cannot operate to the same level of skills. But that's not how it works in most states. There, the fire trucks are also usually first on the scene, but unlike here, if they're qualified to administer more advanced emergency medical services, they do. In fact, it's getting harder to get hired as a firefighter unless you have paramedic training. The whole goal is uh, to provide for the patient as quickly as possible and, and the best we can. And by being able to deliver all of that equipment there immediately with trained firefighters as paramedics, it, it goes to make sure that there's more, a better successful outcome. Two years ago, Delta Fire Department started offering enhanced medical services despite protests from BC Emergency Health Services. In a letter to Delta, the ambulance service expressed concern that immediate implementation of Delta's bylaw without first reaching agreement on these issues could create serious legal concerns and risks for patients. But Delta carried on, pointing to the increased demand on ambulance services. BC's Auditor General is also currently in the throes of reviewing the entire ambulance service in BC. Ted Chernacki, Global News. 
And turning to the wildfire situation now, and today the Caribou Regional District reduced some evacuation orders around Williams Lake to alerts. But those who are returning to their homes must remain prepared to evacuate if it becomes necessary. There are currently 130 fires burning in B.C. An estimated 578,000 hectares have been burned. $234 million has been spent fighting the fires. And there are still almost 7,000 people on evacuation order. Now, people who live around Clinton are demanding compensation for a controlled burn that got out of control. Fire crews were conducting a backburn last week along Highway 97 near Loon Lake Road when the wind suddenly shifted, causing the fire to jump the highway. Area residents say they should have been consulted before the operation took place. And they're now asking the province for an apology and for compensation under the Wildfire Act. People may be compensated for damage on private land caused by government-controlled burns. Planned ignitions, uh, burning out, back-burning, uh, controlled burns, um, they're a fundamental part of, of fighting wildfires. Out at uh, Elephant Hill uh, earlier this week, uh, unfortunately, uh, one of those burns did go somewhat awry. The area in question was under an evacuation order. Uh, so folks uh, had been asked to leave that area, and I think this, this goes to show why in terms of uh, you know, how active these fires can be. Meantime, in Oliver today, firefighters held a special fundraiser to help their buddies at the Loon Lake Fire Department. Loon Lake lost its hall and almost everything in it to the wildfires. Shelby Tom reports. Oliver firefighters responded to a call of a different sort today. A call for donations to help rebuild the Loon Lake Fire Hall destroyed by the Elephant Hill wildfire last month. There are fire department up in the Caribou who are busy fighting wildfires and also their community was devastated by uh, by those fires as well as their fire department. The 30-member volunteer fire department and their families hosted a car wash fundraiser to raise funds for the fire hall restoration project. A constant stream of vehicles lined up on this holiday Monday for a scrub and a soap in the name of a good cause. It's a great cause to help a fire department that lost their hall up in Loon Lake, and uh, these guys do a great job. Just for all fire departments do so much work. I know it's something I couldn't do. Here to support our, our community. Many of the firefighters I spoke with here today say they want to travel to the Caribou region to help in the wildfire fighting efforts. But given the hot and dry conditions in the South Okanagan, they have to stay here in case of an emergency. We have our own area to worry about and we can't get rid of resources in a time where we might need them as well. The Loon Lake Fire Hall, one of many structures decimated by fire in the tight-knit recreational community north of Cache Creek. It's almost 400 kilometers away from Oliver, but these firefighters say there's a unique camaraderie among small-town first responders. If the same had happened to us, we would love if we could help us out because there are just a small number of people in a small community. Shelby Tom, Global News, Oliver. Well, some good news in the ongoing dispute between Canada and the United States involving softwood lumber. It appears an outline of a deal is now in place. For more on this, let's bring in our Keith Baldry. Chris, we're hearing, or Keith, rather, we're hearing this from uh, Chris Freeland, the Foreign Affairs Minister, but she's still not sure of the timing of a final agreement. 
No, but it's, it's encouraging that someone like her in her position is ex- expressing some significant optimism that this economic time bomb facing B.C. could be defused before it actually explodes. Already 20% duties on average have been uh, slapped on uh, lumber exports from B.C. by U.S. Uh, companies and also 7% dumping, anti-dumping uh, levy back in June. So the costs are starting to add up for B.C. companies, but on a conference call today, uh, Minister Freeland with reporters does express some optimism. She says, I do think an agreement with which benefits both Canada and the United States is absolutely possible and achievable, and I can see the outlines of that agreement already. Having said that, I can't say to, I can't today say whether or not and when such an agreement might be achievable. So, some significant optimism being expressed by the federal minister. One of the timelines at play here, Sophie, is uh, the the resumption of, of talks on NAFTA with the United States, and because the softwood agreement is not part of NAFTA, that's where it becomes a little complicated. Those talks begin on August 16th, so there's still a little more than a week to achieve a deal, as Minister Freeland says, uh, the outlines of which are starting to become visible. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry reporting in Victoria. Celebrity spotting in Vancouver. Several big budget productions have come to the Lower Mainland, including Deadpool starring Ryan Reynolds. But Vancouver has never seen road closures on this scale before. How much we're willing to put up with considering the boost to the economy in just over a minute. North Korea lashes out. How real is the dramatic new threat from Kim Jong-un? After the U.S. and other countries form a united front, North Korea's nuclear arms regime against nuclear uh, their nuclear arms regime coming up. And we now know what caused this ride to fail at the Ohio State Fair, what the manufacturer says happened later on the news hour. But first, downtown Vancouver, extra busy for a holiday Monday. Thanks to a little star power. Vancouver's own Ryan Reynolds is in town shooting Deadpool 2, and he's not the only Hollywood heavyweight here right now. Our Aaron MacArthur is live downtown Vancouver with more on this. Hollywood North obviously booming. Aaron? Yeah, Sophie, booming to be sure. There are at least half a dozen major motion pictures shooting in Vancouver right now countless movies of the week and TV shows. It is worth billions to the provincial economy. And yet people who live and work around all of this find it more than a little bit annoying. Big budget stunts. Giant dystopian trucks of the future smashing through traffic. All part of the next superhero blockbuster. And all the people crowding around Coal Harbor are here to stalk Vancouver's own Ryan Reynolds. Is this Deadpool 2? Yes, Deadpool 2. <laughs> Damn, that's cool. Maybe you'll see a star, who knows? <laughs> and then bumping into the security guard saying, uh, yeah, you can't go that way. He's like, ooh, we're getting close. The shoot for Deadpool 2 is blocking off a good chunk of downtown. Hastings is closed, so is Burrard and Thurlow. Some business owners have complained, and some residents aren't too thrilled about the inconvenience. Almost every, every month, every week, there are movies here in this area, and they have an elevated bright light and then shining in my bedroom, and I cannot sleep. 2017 looks to set a record for the number of productions around B.C. A quick search of social media puts Johnny Depp here shooting a film. Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson are here as well. The stars employ thousands of people. Vancouver has gone from 30 full-time crews to 50, and the industry one of B.C.'s biggest economic drivers. It is a huge industry. There are you know, over 40,000 people who work in this industry. There's over $2 billion worth of wages that are part of this industry. You have everything from you start talking to your neighbours and your friends and you ask them what they think the thriving industries in B.C. are, and I bet that film and television will come up. 
The road closures are annoying, and downtown does get the lion's share of them. But increasingly, productions are moving out of the city to the suburbs, spreading the wealth around. <laughs> All right, Aaron, we are now the third busiest film production center in North America. Is there room for any more growth here? Sophie, I heard a stat today. In 1978, there were four productions in British Columbia. Last year, 300 were set to be more than that again this year. Studio space is at a premium. Crew time is at a premium. Yet, Creative BC says they will make room for all productions that want to come here. One good news is that productions take a long time. The lag time is so significant, they can usually squeeze everyone in. And we all remember back to save BC film days when there was no production here. So they'll take as much and as many as they can. All right, Aaron, thanks for that. Ryan Reynolds, one of the best followers on Twitter, too. He's, He's very entertaining. <laughs> Not on the screen, too. All right, uh, coming up, major storms tear across the U.S. What's ahead for 40 million Americans still in the danger zone? Still to come. And West is best when you're feeling the worst. Why this is no ordinary RCMP service dog. It's one of only five specialized canine members in the province. And as Kristen Robinson reports, West, the canine, is focused on doing his best to help people survive their worst days. Good boy. They've only been together since March, but West and Jessica Robertson already inseparable. So basically he goes everywhere I go. The three-year-old Black Lab, an invaluable tool in her victim services work. I honestly can't imagine doing what I do now without West, and we've only had him for a few months. Let's go. Let's go. West, a Pacific Assistance Dog graduate, officially joining the RCMP in Cranbrook and Kimberley as one of only five trauma dogs in B.C. and 25 in the country. We uh, waited uh, some time for West, but worth every minute of it. Let's get it. Old. As a puppy, West excelled in service dog training. Great concentration and restraint. But it was his compassion that stood out. And after six months of advanced training, he was ready to help others get through the stress and pain of traumatic events. So we do a lot of work with uh, violence in relationships and domestic abuse. He does work with a lot of women and children in that sort of environment, a lot with court. West learned from the best. His mentor, Kaber of Delta Police, Canada's first victim services dog and the first canine used in a B.C. courtroom. You know, it's often very traumatic and, and some of the people are very young, obviously, uh, children, and, you know, they're going to be able to relate to the dog. And I think, you know, it provides them the, the comfort they need to testify in, in somewhat uh, could be very difficult trials. He's done some amazing things so far, so we expect um, a lot more amazing things to come from him. West is on call 24-7, so forgive him if he finds the press conference on his new gig somewhat tiresome. Kristen Robinson, Global News. He's barely... What a cutie. Deserves to take a break, <laughs> yeah. sounds like. All right, taking a thrill ride to the next level. Hold on. I got lipstick on. I got... What happens when Squire and Sophie have Playland all to themselves? <laughs> it's a problem. Mm -hmm. And the new threat from North Korea and how the world is responding. Up next. North Korea's leader is lashing out tonight. He's vowing thousands-fold revenge on the United States in response to the tough U.S.-drafted sanctions passed by the United Nations over the weekend.
North Koreans lining up to watch state-owned TV, threatening the U.S. with a thousands-fold revenge for what they call villainous U.N. sanctions, warning it's a mistake for Americans to think they're safe. President Trump talking for an hour to his Secretary of State at an Asian summit today. After Rex Tillerson delivered a message to North Korea, stop testing missiles, then we can negotiate. The uh, best signal that North Korea could give us that they're prepared to talk would be to stop these missile launches. North Korea's shocking breakthrough in a test 10 days ago, a missile able to reach as far as Chicago, has alarmed the world. That plus what U.S. officials call unusual and unprecedented submarine activity by North Korea, which hopes to develop sea-launched missiles as well, producing a diplomatic win for the White House, a unanimous U.N. vote for a billion dollars in sanctions against Kim Jong-un, both China and Russia voting yes while in Washington talk of the potential need to plan for military options. There's nothing like the threat of a ballistic missile landing on your homeland to clarify your thinking. The United States has to take prudent military planning into account. While at that Asia summit, Tillerson also warning Russia's foreign minister the election hacking has seriously damaged relations. That this had created uh, serious mistrust. Uh, between our two countries. Vladimir Putin spearfishing in Siberia does not appear to be worried. A massive landslide in southwest China. Cell phone footage shows people running away from a large dust cloud generated by the slide on a highway located in Sichuan province. It's estimated over 5 million gallons of dirt tumbled down the hill, enough to fill more than 2,000 dump trucks. According to emergency services, no one was injured. If you need another reason to keep your seatbelt buckled at all times when flying, here it is. At least 10 people have been hospitalized after an American Airlines flight hit severe turbulence just outside Philadelphia. As Tom Costello reports, passengers and crew never saw it coming. The turbulence on American Flight 759 was so severe, even the flight crew was caught off guard. Captain, uh, we really apologize for that unexpected bump. The aftermath captured in these photographs, splattered coffee on the ceiling and overhead bins, the aisles littered with cans, wine bottles, spilled juice and soda. In all, 10 people were injured, thrown about the cabin. There was more than a second or two where I, I really did think that the plane might go down. And the thought that went in my mind is when a plane goes down, this is what it feels like. Flying from Athens to Philadelphia, the plane was only 30 minutes from landing when it suddenly hit a pocket of violently unstable air. For all the chaos and debris in the cabin, I think the flight crew at the back had it a lot worse. Clear air turbulence is extremely difficult to predict, and reports of turbulence-related injuries are on the rise. In May, 27 were severely injured on a flight from Moscow to Bangkok. In June, passengers in Houston were carried off on stretchers. Some researchers believe climate change is a factor, causing the jet stream to shift dramatically. An unpredictable force of nature in the final weeks of the summer travel season. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. We now know what caused a deadly ride malfunction at the Ohio State Fair. The manufacturer of the fireball has determined excessive internal corrosion caused the ride to come apart last month, killing one man and injuring seven others. The corrosion apparently occurred inside critical parts, and it says the damage would not have been easy to spot by those who examined the ride prior to the fair opening. The ride was 18 years old. 
and a separate investigation continues. New research indicates fluctuating blood pressure, whether it's high or not, could increase the risk of dementia. Researchers in Japan asked more than 1,600 older adults to measure their blood pressure through at-home monitoring for one month. People whose daily readings varied the most were more than twice as likely to develop dementia or Alzheimer's disease than those with stable measurements. Experts say more studies are needed to know if varying blood pressure is a predictor of dementia or if stabilizing it could help prevent cognitive decline. Millions of people battled depression, and up until now, the best way to find the right antidepressant was often through trial and error. But new advances in genetics could soon change how medications are prescribed and hopefully save lives. Mother of three, Sarah Ellis, will never forget her darkest days battling depression. I was at several points where this is it. I can't I can't do this anymore. She tried antidepressants, more than a dozen of them, attempting to stay on each for the six week trial doctors recommend. But the side effects were debilitating. I was very sluggish, very fatigued. My sleep was disordered. Like so many battling depression, years passed trying drug after drug. That particular drug. Until Dr. Matthew Stanley recommended a genetic test to see why her body wasn't responding. It can tell me if you're going to have difficulty with metabolizing a drug I might prescribe. Avera Institute for Human Genetics in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, is among those at the cutting edge of pharmacogenomics, looking at how our genetics influence the way we process medications. We'll hone in and look at the medications. Maybe it's down to four to six that are more effective for you. The test costs $179 and is often covered by insurance. One antidepressant. Sarah found her genetics made her overly sensitive to many of the newer medications, so Dr. Stanley prescribed an older class of antidepressants and experimented with lower doses. It gave me hope. It gave me the will to keep fighting. In depression patients, that can be life-saving. Finally, Sarah found the right combination and is now the mom she wants to be. Come on, buddy. Thanks to a new field of medicine with a very personal touch. Kristen Dahlgren, NBC News, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Well, still to come, what happens in our jobs when you just don't care? Dog owners and their pets in California have hit the waves. The BBC presenter reaching a whole new audience for his lack of enthusiasm. Also ahead, when a thrill ride isn't quite thrilling enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Now, you're watching BBC News. Just bear in mind, it is August. <laughs> oh, Simon. The British anchor makes it painfully clear he has no interest in the next story, and his performance is going viral. That's right after our forecast. <laughs> I love it, though. It's very good. <laughs> but first, some extreme weather impacting the United States from the south to the northeast. Residents saw everything from a dramatic flood rescue in Texas to a possible tornado touching down in Maryland. Destruction in Salisbury, Maryland. Evidence of what witnesses say was a possible tornado in the eastern shore's largest city. A storm with ferocious winds flipping cars and closing streets. But so far, no injuries among the 30,000 residents. Oh, 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 oh. All part of a dangerous day of weather across the country. Get that! 
lightning strikes, and more than three inches of rain made a morning drive a heart-stopping experience on San Antonio's Highway 151. You can see the headlights of the truck. As you can see right now, the water's already above the hood. The low-lying roadway flooded, forcing a man to the top of his SUV. To reach him, firemen extended a ladder truck and then hand-carried another ladder to cover the last gap, finally rescuing the motorist. This is a very bad spot, very difficult, as y'all can tell from what we were doing. Residents in New Orleans spent the day recovering after up to 10 inches of rain fell this weekend, overwhelming the city's pumps and flooding streets. Officials confirmed three tornadoes in Tulsa Sunday, the most serious injuring 30 people. A series of sudden summer storms reminding us of the frightening power of nature. Ann Thompson, NBC News. Well, that's something for sure. All right, meteorologist Yvonne Schell joining us now with our own forecast. A little more mellow than that. Yes, I was still seeing this weather picture, though, guys, outside there with that layer of smoke right across the south coast in Metro Vancouver. We will continue to see this leading into the end of the week and a bit of a reprieve or changes on the way. And I'll outline what we could see, especially as we get in towards your long-range forecast in just a moment. Temperatures right now looks like it's not being picked up, but we're closer to 22 degrees, and that was the high for today. Inland sections closer to... 28 and 29 degrees and on the almanac for the airport 29 would be a record back on this day set back in 1942 here's a satellite and radar though we are actually seeing some instability this evening it looks like it's just south of the border into the Kootenays and also a few spots in towards the southern sections of the Okanagan could get clipped we are looking at some dry, dry lightning right now through your region and the risk of thunderstorms over the next couple of hours so the concern will really be for the southeastern corners of the province and the potentials there especially for those areas that that are seeing the fire danger rating at high. Big weather picture, though, as we zoom on out in the satellite and radar, though, still seeing that ridge of high pressure, and that's been the dominant feature, bringing us the sunshine and dry conditions. We'll continue to see the heat pushing into the southern interior over the next few days. I wanted to put the upper-level chart into play, though. This will take us in towards the end of the week for Friday, and the potential for Saturday, Sunday, we could see some cooler temperatures and a slight chance to see an isolated shower across the southern half of the province. It should give us a bit of a reprieve and we may see some of that smoke lifted or thinning out here and there. For the piece tomorrow, three-day forecast at 27 degrees. Temperatures on the rise for Thursday with a high of 31 degrees. Most spots near Whitehorse up to 26 tomorrow, still sunny and dry, and well above your average for this time of the year that sits at 20. Coastal sections will be looking at a range in temperature. Along the coast in the water tomorrow, a few uh, fog patches. 19 by the water inland tomorrow on the hot side up to 33 degrees. Caribou and Central Interior are seeing areas of smoke tomorrow 29 hot for wednesday thursday with temperatures into the low 30s columbia and kootenai region heat is on well above your average for this time of the year 28 36 for both wednesday thursday the thompson okanagan will be at 32 degrees tomorrow 34 on your thursday and most spots near Whistler tomorrow for the village at 31 and a touch warmer even for areas near Pemberton. Along the water tomorrow, though, we will see temperatures closer to 20 degrees, Victoria at 25, and then inland sections will be closer to 30 degrees. A range in temperatures as we kick things off for those going back to work tomorrow, 25, inland up to 30 degrees. Wednesday, Thursday, still remaining hot and sunny, and we're hoping for a change on the way as we get in towards our Saturday. A birthday announcement this evening going out to Woodrow Severson from Ladner, celebrating its so congratulations to you. And tonight's weather window, this is a shot that David sent in. He took it a few nights ago on top of Burnaby Mountain, and this is the sunset from there. Guys? Very, Very cool. What a great moody. shot. Thanks, moody. David. 
All right. We like to think the news hour is a well-rounded newscast with the right balance of hard-hitting stories and the occasional bit of eye candy as well. Yes, but one BBC anchor is clearly not amused by fluff content on his program, and the video is going viral. Take a look. Now, you're watching BBC News. Just bear in mind it is August. Uh, this does not look like a walk in the park. Dog owners and their pets in California have hit the waves in the second annual World Dog Surfing Championships. Here are the pictures. There's also style, there's confidence, there's the size of the wave. Because some events have really big waves, some have very small waves. There's a lot of style and techniques. It's really interesting. The competitor's main challenge is to stay afloat on the board. This is in Pacifica near San Francisco. But there are also prizes for the best dressed and tandem surfing dogs. The winner, of course, being crowned top dog. That's a shame. We've run out of pictures. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. Now, I wonder how he would feel, the irony of him being sort of the eye candy on this program tonight. Well, he, I checked out his Twitter page, and he actually is quite aware of all the fuss that that little oh, yeah. segment created. He's, uh, he seems to have a sense of humor about it. You know. A dry sense of humor. A very dry British <laughs> sense of humor. Yeah, it looked okay, like he uh, wasn't having a nice day. No, and his posture, too. He just yeah. hung over, <laughs> just was like waiting for it to end. Oh, yeah, he wasn't having any of it. No. I have to say these words out loud. Wait till he sees what we have at the end. I know. If he thinks he hates surfing dogs, wait till he sees us. Okay, um, but first, before we do that, let's check in on how Adam Big Hill is doing in New Orleans. I'm anxious to see how he handles the, the role in the kicking game. Saints coach Sean Payton likes what he sees from the former BC line who is wearing number 99 in black and gold. And an experiment inspired by a game show? A Korean game show, maybe? Korean TV show. Korean TV show. Sophie and Squire take a wild ride at Playland. Size deficit. Yeah. It's, well, we deal with here. it every day <laughs> on the newscast. Adam right. Big Hill's dealing with it in New Orleans. But Adam Big Hill is a, oh, he's a big guy. He's just beast. not. He's just not tall. But if anybody can overcome an apparent size disadvantage, and we know how painful that can be, um, <laughs> it is former BC Lion linebacker Adam Big Hill. He, of course, did it in the CFL. I know the CFL is more acceptable of smaller players, but in the NFL, they are size obsessed. However, so far at training camp. The smaller man is making a big impression with the New Orleans Saints. A week and a half in a Saints training camp, and Adam Big Hill is standing out for all the right reasons. Biggie is having a big camp, doing what Biggie does best. Yeah, a lot of production there. Yeah, a lot of production. Uh, you know, we feel like he's going to be a guy that I'm anxious to see how he handles the the role in the kicking game. You know, he can run. Um, and look, he can tackle. Nine and ten in his career against BC. Pressure on, and he's going to get tossed down. Adam Big Hill on the scene. Big Hill's six seasons in BC were all about seek and destroy. 489 defensive tackles, 33 sacks, eight picks, and eight forced fumbles. It's the kind of resume that made the Saints come calling. Six years after the NFL took a pass on a player deemed too small to be an NFL linebacker, Big Hill's doing everything in his power to change that perception and he's doing a good job of it. You know, obviously he's size deficient, but, you know, we're looking for those players that we think can fill a need in, in, in a certain area. Um, 
and you know if he can play on the on the on the four core units in the kicking game, you know that'll help his chances. Right now, the Saints coaching staff see him as a special teamer, but as we've seen, give this guy any kind of opportunity, he's going to make the most of it. Jay Janowar for the sports. All right, so our Canadian women's hockey and soccer teams get a lot of love when they play, and rightly so. But let's give some love to our women's rugby team. They start the World Cup Wednesday against Hong Kong. This year's World Cup is in Ireland. New Zealand and Wales are also in our group. So it's not going to be an easy one for the Canadian ladies. But remember, at the last Women's World Cup of Rugby, we made the final. We lost to England, but we still made the final. And this year's team could get that far again because we do have the ability. Uh, we have a quite a large group of girls that are returnees from last World's Cup, so it's a really nice, positive um, and confident environment. Um, everyone's just really excited, and we're just getting all the new people um, up to speed and everything, and then we're just getting everyone else really excited for it as well. First up is Hong Kong. What do you know about them, and what are you expecting uh, on Wednesday? Um, we don't know very much about Hong Kong. Um, so we're really just focusing on our own play and our own performance. Um, if we perform the way we know we should, we should be able to come out with a win, so we just need to focus on our own. Both the Blue Jays and Mariners are off tonight. Both are still in the playoff race, although Toronto's chance is not quite as good as Seattle's. The uh, problem for the Jays, there are a lot of teams right now between them and one of the two wildcard spots. I don't think either team has a chance to win its division unless something biblical and supernatural happens together. As for their wildcard chances, well, they say right now the Jays have a 2 percent chance. So they're five and a half games from a wild card spot. There you see remaining home and road games. But if you look at the road games, six in Boston, three against the Cubs on the road, and three against the Yankees on the road. Those will all be tough. As for the Mariners, there's James Paxton. He's been mowing him down for the M's this year. Only one and a half games from a wild card spot. But look at this. They have a 12 game road trip coming up. That's going to be ugly. And they have six games left against the high-scoring, high-flying Houston Astros. Well, it's heartbreaking enough that sprinter Andre de Grasse is missing the world championship with an injury as well as Canadian high jumper Derek Druan. But how about Aaron Brown of Canada? Won his heat in the 200 meters and then was disqualified because of a lane violation. You don't see it here, but he stepped on the line. You can't do that, so he's out, despite a season-best time of 20.08 seconds. And I have to show you this in the Rogers Cup today. Had a bit of a rain delay, but look at this shot here by Daria Kastekina of Russia. She won her match. This is a tweener coming up. Not there. Wait for it. Right there. Oh, that's absolutely sensational. I know. What I love here is her opponent, Roberta Vinci, right away. Claps. Good shot. <laughs> and she won yeah. in straight sets. There you go. Not much you can do. Audlin Brown tennis tournament starts mm -hmm. uh, August 12th. And if you look at about two or three years later after a given Audlin Brown, you'll see names that you saw there in majors and grand slams and doing well. Yeah, that's so there good. There you go. Okay. Sharapova was at Audlin Brown once, wasn't she? I think she might have been. There was a lot of them that were at Audlin Brown that have come okay. through. All right, thanks, Squire. I'd have to go back in my memory bank. Sometimes <laughs> it's not so good. Let's check in with Andrew now for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And 
Thanks, Sophie. And we are keeping an eye on that two-alarm fire burning in an industrial area of Anasis Island. Fire crews arrived at around 3.30 this afternoon and are still on scene. Heavy black smoke is billowing out of a building on the east side of the island. No word yet on the cause of this fire or if there are any injuries. We'll have more on this and the rest of the day's news when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. All right, and thank you. All right, everything goes topsy-turvy right after the break for these two on the breakdance ride at Playland while doing other things. But nobody got sick. And I didn't poke my eye. You didn't poke your eye out. (laughs) So it's summer. I was just going to say, Sharapova 2002. Oh, yeah. Autumn Brown. Autumn Brown. Going way back. Way back. That was superstar. Okay. So it is summer, and a trip to Playland for most people is in order. You guys did it a little differently, though. Well, as we do. We actually showed something on Satellite Debris earlier this year. I think it was earlier this year. A TV show in South Korea where they did something on a giant roller coaster. I thought, we got to do that here. But not on a roller coaster because I hate heights. So we tried something different. Sophie and I, and she didn't poke her eye out, and that's impressive. Watch what we did here at Playland the other day. Here we go. Well, here's, here's two things that me and Sophie have not done yet. I haven't eaten, and she hasn't put on her makeup. I'm going to have some Tim Hortons chili, and you're going to? I'm going to put on my makeup, some nice bright red lipstick. But we're going to do it while riding the breakdance here at the PE. Or Playland, whatever you like. <laughs> yeah, do you have another dress? Not on me. Not on me. <laughs> I might borrow your shirt. Okay. You're not supposed to eat it now. Mm, I just wanted to taste it. Is it good? Right. Yummy. Good luck. Okay, thank you. I think that means we're going. Okay, we're going now. Okay. Okay. So, Sophie's going to put on her makeup, and I'm going to eat my breakfast, or lunch, or whatever. So far, so good. Oh, I can totally do this! (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm in the lines here. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) Hold on. I got lipstick on. I got... Sorry. I think I got some. A little bit. I'm not so sure I did. Well. Who's finishing up here? You were brilliant. I'm a bit of a mess. Oh my god. You got it all over your face. I win. We have found out that putting one's makeup on is much easier than eating chili. I got a handful of chili. But you look wonderful. Except you got a little lipstick on your teeth. Outside of that, you did pretty well. I got well. mascara on, too. You did? I did. Yeah, like a napkin. Thank you very much. 
a the day fact well that spent. you had a stick near your eye the entire time putting on, that's incredible. And the weird thing is, is when I'm just standing still putting on mascara, I poke myself in the eye. <laughs>